Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturgis. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping today. Always a great day. I want to welcome you all here. Um, we have begun a series that we were supposed to start, and I say we were supposed to start last week, uh, and we did, I didn't, so uh, we're sort of behind one week, and um, that's okay, but I want to admit to you that my bent towards the At The Movies series, and what we do once a year during the summer, people come and go, so it's not a... Um, it's not a fixed series that if you're not here for one week, you're sort of left out of the loop. And by the way, you're never really left out of the loop because within about 24 hours, these are online and available through podcasts, through the New Hope um, website, or, or go to iTunes and search, search for New Hope Church, and you'll find it. So you can sort of catch up. Um, and what we do in this series is we take the voices of culture, and we take the movies that, that speak, and the little mnemonic I've used for years uh, Hollywood's cry and heaven's call. What is the response of God to the cry of culture? And so if there's any place we can find that, we'll find that coming out of Hollywood. Now the questions they ask and, uh, are one thing. They are, they are the cry of mankind, but very often the answers that they will give are not the answers that God brings. So we look at what questions are being asked and how might God respond to them. But um, I, I will confess confess that I'm I've twisted this scenario because for months I've been so in the grip of, of um, this whole transformation, spirit time, uh, what opinion are we listening to? Those are three thoughts, transformation, spirit time, and those are little sort of catchphrases here right now in our hearts and not meant for sensational purposes. They really have substance. Again, you can go online on the, on, on the teaching and and listen and sort of catch up on what those are about. And I don't have time to re, re, revisit them this morning. But here's my confession that um, normally we'll, we'll just grab movies and get recommendations from staff members and from you. And, and, uh, but this year I'm not doing that. I am intentionally cheating. And what I mean by cheating is I'm looking for movies that talk about transformation. And a lot of my favorite movies are animated movies, personally. And um, uh, one year I may, I may do a favorite movies of Tom thing or something. This is one of my favorite movies today. And this year in particular is the 20th anniversary of this movie. And it's an animated movie called A Bug's Life. Now, I've done a series from a bug. Some of you are shaking your head right now and saying, oh, good grief, okay? But I would encourage you to read Numbers 13 and 14, which we're not reading today. I did a series entitled A Bug's Life, and that's the place where the people of God go marching off to a place of promise. They step up to the potential boundary line of the promised land, all that God has said could be theirs. And God says, go check it out and see how good it is. So they send out some spies and check it out, but they don't come back with God's opinion on the matter. They come back with their own opinion on the matter. And they return, and they, here's one of the key phrases from that. There's giants in the land. And what you need to understand is that we were, we were felt like bugs in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And there's an important sequence there about a bug's life living that way in faith. It's very often how we perceive ourselves, uh, which is the way that the world around us will perceive us. So whose opinion are we listening to? Now, last week I, I gave a handout, and you have 
a similar, very similar version. Matter of fact, pages one and two are, are identical, virtually identical, and page three is, if you don't have one, uh, if you'll, uh, we tried to hit everybody coming in, but if you don't have one, hold your hand up and we'll race to you right now with one, okay? Right, right over here, Ron. Just got a couple in the back right there and right here in the center. That'll be great. Opinion hits us right in the face. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not uh, answer him a word. Now, there's probably no place in Scripture that more greatly shoves right in our face this question, whose opinion or whose word will you live by? Now, see, you expect to sort of hear in church, um, well, we're going to live by the word of God. But see, that, that's another one of those phrases that by the time you're in the church more than 10 minutes, you've heard it a thousand times. And because of the repetitive use, it's sort of in the verses before. And all 12 verses are, are involved with forming and shaping opinions. L listen, look at me. On an individual level and on a social level. Because he speaks to the church and he speaks to the church about individual opinions, about individual people within the church. And then he says, I want you to understand that your opinions are being formed by voices straight from hell. Now, that's a poetic reference to the verse, but it says your judgment, your, ju your judging is born of the evil one. So he comes to verse, verse 13 and he says, for... Judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, what began to start to crank the motor up in me, and you'll see this, this term broken down below to some extent. The, the original term for this, it means to shape or write a legal opinion. Those of you who have ever had any type of legal issue going on, uh, any disagreement about a legal matter, you're going to get an attorney, and attorney's going to represent a legal opinion or represent your side of the case. Ultimately, the judge is the one who has the final opinion on the matter, okay? So there's some just incredible, again, poetry going on here. But judgment will be merciless. It's the only time that word appears in the Bible, and it means without mercy. Now, I want to come back to that. Now, let's go back over. If judgment is the state of being merciless, okay, that is without mercy, what might that mean? Now, here come our definitions, and I know that, and you're going to see the word opinion popping up in there. Be, um, the word mercy, if, con excuse me, if confession, and that little printed term there is from another language, but that means homo logeo, logeo means to speak or say, and the word homo means the same, to, the same, like homogeneous, okay? It means the same as. So it means to say the same thing as. So that's what, listen, that's where we get the word confession. So we have to determine who are we saying the same thing as. Well, when you read in Scripture that says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised you from your dead, you're going to be born again. Why? Because we're saying the same thing about Jesus that God said about Jesus. And when I agree with God or say what God says or has God's opinion on the matter, it opens up spiritual opportunities. Do you know that every, every one of us who sit here today born again began that journey because we agreed with God's opinion about his son, Jesus Christ? It started with agreeing with an opinion. You agreed about God's opinion concerning his son, that there is no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was raised from the dead for us. And so, yes, we agree with that opinion. So that's what confession is. But what I wrote earlier in this is that confession, see, very often where we've lost the meaning in church is we think confession is what I do when I sin. 
okay, I was bad today, so Lord, I'm coming to confession. But see, confession's more than that. Confession is cultivating a constant listening ear to the transformer, to the Holy Spirit. I said in staff today, I'm going to sit down and talk to you because my knee hurts. Pastor Steve's been running me and Jim DeAnda have been running me around the racquetball court. And I just might mention my week so that you can pray for me and have sympathy. Due to the fact they have been playing three or four times a week, I guess, for quite some time. And 16 or 18 months ago, I had rotator cuff surgery, and so I could not do that. And so finally, I was at the place where I could go back in there and run around and try to make sure my heart works for another couple of decades, much to their entertainment. Matter of fact, the movie and the clips we're going to see today may in fact be a representation of my own heart and life this week, where two would-be elders in our church have taken distinct advantage of me and watched me run around the court chasing a ball I never seemed to quite be able to catch up with. Anyhow, pray for my knee and pray for their really ugly spirits, okay? They, and I think one of them just said amen to that, which is even far more tragic. Uh, God has an opinion about that, I will tell you later, the, um, speaking of opinions, all right? So when confession is, is cultivating a constant listening ear to God, and beloved, that's where transformation begins to happen. We talked about it last week. Now, so if confession is the point at which it's here, it's here before you. I accept God's opinion of me above my opinion of me. That is, see, do you understand that can be for better or for worse? Very often God will say, your impression of yourself is way beneath what I've called you to do and to be. A matter of fact, that's always the case. But what's stopping you from being all that you can be may not be God showing up for a rah-rah talk through his word. And what I mean rah-rah is, hey, you're a good guy. You can be great. You can do this. Come on, dude, get up, go. No, God may very well show up and say, uh, listen, here's my opinion of you. There's this potential that lies out there beyond you, but because you're listening to a different opinion of your own heart about you, you keep doing this stupid stuff and hijacking yourself. So see, we don't always want to hear that opinion okay and this whole opinion language like I said is fascinating to me uh, we're going to be hanging out on it for a while okay so let's go forward if mercy is and I believe it is and you see the term there God refusing to accept my opinion of me above his opinion of me watch how these go together then confession is the natural response to mercy now something else I purposely leave things out so I don't say too much and then I get up here and they're on my heart anyway so you're going to get them we'll come back to it but everyone look this way Probably one of the most exhaustive series of teachings that's done around here every couple of years is on forgiveness. It has now seven or eight parts, forgiveness and unforgiveness. Because un un unforgiveness, uh, it, it, it destroys people. It destroys believers. It just absolutely puts barriers around our faith. We will not grow. Um, but as I begin to think through the narrative of this whole opinion thing, See, mercy is, is, is really a static representation of God's forgiveness towards me. And let, me let me tell you what that means. And, and those of you that are students of Scripture, listen closely. Because we wrestle with, well, doesn't God love everybody? He does. Well, didn't Jesus die on the cross for everybody? He did. Didn't he die for the forgiveness of everyone's sin? Absolutely, he did. He did. And forgiveness is out there. And the force of mercy, if you will 
is forgiveness. And what I mean by static, I don't know a different word to use. It's, a, it, it, it's just this static reality that can be had by each of us. Confession is the dynamic aspect of, of forgiveness. Here's what I mean. Forgiveness is not mine until I accept his opinion about me uh, above my opinion of me. As long as I'm holding on to my opinion of me to some extent. By the way, do you know that when you prayed the prayer and you had God's opinion of, of Jesus and of you above his opinion, or excuse me, your opinion, at that moment, forgiveness first came to you. It had been there all along. It had been there since before you were born. But here's the deal. Confession lets us access mercy and forgiveness. So then, if mercy, look at your paper with me, please, is God refusing to accept my opinion of me above his opinion of me? And by the way, we've, mercy is just a thing I've written songs from and, and, and things from. Listen closely. One of the places it appears is in Hebrews 4. Amanda, I didn't send you this verse, and it's okay. But listen. God says, I want you to approach the throne of God boldly where you may receive grace and mercy. No, approach the throne of grace boldly. Did you know it's the only place in Scripture God gives his throne a name? So it's a throne of grace, and we understand grace to be the 180 or so times it appears in the New Testament. It's a pushback dynamic. It pushes back against the sin and makes our world bigger. So how do I get that? Well, I come to the throne of grace to get grace, right? God, I need more grace. He says, approach the throne of grace boldly, and you'll get mercy and then grace to help you in your time of need. Why is mercy first? Because it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Mercy, did, I'm trying to be careful. Seraphim. Big, horrific angels we first read about in Genesis chapter 3. After mankind crashes and burns, God puts them at the east of Eden with swords drawn and blazed, and they're there to keep them getting back from the, to, to the tree of life. Why? Because the tree of life had the power to perpetuate or to make forever the state that a person was in when they would go and eat of its fruit. They never did, see. Said, you can, you can go there. What does that mean? According to Romans 5, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it said death entered. Therefore, if they would have left that tree and gone to the other and eaten of it, it would have perpetuated their deathness. I know that sounds so weird, but can you just say amen if you're getting that? Okay, good, more than half, seriously, okay? So what does God do? He says, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to put seraphim, these big, horrible angels, here at the east side of Eden to make sure you don't get back there because I do have a plan for redemption for getting you back. Now, they show up again on the Ark of the Covenant on what is known as the mercy seat. That's not accidental language. So here's what you believe. If you, read, if you read other places in scriptures, the description of this throne of grace, these seraphim are around it. Well, what happens? Well, you've just got to go read the other places it shows up. But here's what happens. When I approach the throne of grace, God, I need more grace to make my world bigger. He says, great. Let's have a mercy conversation first. Because right now, 
that issue of unbridled anger, unforgiveness, racism, greed, lust, whatever it may be, if, if I dump out grace on that, all it does is it makes unforgiveness stronger and bigger. It gives life to it and space to it. it, it or, or racism, or everybody get what I'm talking about? So the first thing we pass through in coming to this throne, if you will, is a sort of force field of mercy where God scans us. And he says, come to the throne of grace. We go, hot dog, I want grace because it makes my world bigger. We come in, and then we pass through that scanner of mercy where God says, hey, 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 wait. Oh, stop right there. Well, what's going on? Well, I've got an opinion of you that I think is different than your opinion of you right now, and your opinion's killing you, and you don't even know it. That's what Romans says, that the wages of sin, identity, is deafness. It kills us. And so we need, to, we need to change an opinion here. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, tell me what that is. Well, so-and-so, you haven't forgiven them. Well, well you know, that's it. I, I need this too. No, 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 no. I am not, see, mercy is refusing to join me in my opinion of me because God says, I refuse to join you in your destruction of you. I won't help you hurt yourself. Now, see, we get mad like Children get mad at parents when they want to do something that's going to hurt them, and a the parent says, no, why not? And by the way, it doesn't stop when they're 12 or 13 or 15. It's amazing how it just goes on. Why not? Well, because I'm not going to help you hurt yourself. That's not going to hurt me. It's just fine. Well, that's your opinion. I have another one. I've lived longer. And you're not going to have my help on that right now. Why not? So God says, approach the throne of grace boldly. Here I am boldly. Pass through mercy. It's not an accident. It's there. God says, now, let me tell you my opinion of you versus the one you hold right now. Really, God? What is that? Well, I blah, blah, blah. Okay, so Tom, now you have a choice. If you're going to get more grace, you've got to accept my opinion above your opinion. Okay, that is called confession. And when I do, something happens where God pours out grace. Now, look back to your paper again. What is judgment then? Did you notice we read the verse... The judgment will be merciless, that is, without mercy, without mercy, okay? So judgment, then, is the point at which God allows me to accept my opinion of me above his opinion of me. He's not happy about that, but, beloved, that's free will. Romans chapter 1 just lays this out and says judgment is essentially you just, mankind did what they wanted to do, and God said, I can't stop you from doing that. Everybody get that? That is such a powerful point. Now, I want to add a couple things here. So merciless, what does that mean? Down on, on, in your paper. It is without God's opinion in force. See, that is judgment. Judgment is the place where my opinion rules. My word rules. My word does not have the ability to stop the works of hell and darkness, only God's word does. Only God's opinion does. So you can't separate because every place I held up Miss Sally's Bible last week, if you want to know God's opinion, it is otherwise known as the word of God. He created us and made us. Okay, now, at, at this point, you can say, well, I thought this was a bug's life. I'm getting there. I'll just stop right here, and then I'm going to come back to it. Uh, but you'll notice on the back page, go ahead and get turned there. The voices of opinion, where do they come from? Now, Amanda, you have nine clips, but I'm not going to do that. I want you to show clip number six first. Oh, let me tell you about the characters in case you've lived 20 years 
if it's possible you have plenty of years in culture here in the United States and you've never seen a bug's life, how tragic is that for you? And you, you're going to say, a bug's life? Dude, are you serious? It's a cartoon. Go home and watch it, okay? Go home and listen to it and, and listen to the values and what the cry of culture and how we have the answer to the cry in question of that, okay? But there's characters in there. You meet uh, the, the, the lead character whose name is Flick. He's an ant. They're all ants. Well, there's some grasshoppers and other bugs. But Flick is, is our hero, and Flick is this innovative ant that's always trying to help everybody out, and it backfires, and he causes problems. Some other characters in there uh, are, are this the grasshopper. See, the grasshoppers are the bullies. They're represented as sort of the, the rogue motorcycle gang of the ant world, or the bug world. And they show up and take all the ant stuff. It's sort of a play on the book of Judges uh, um, or Joshua, if you will, uh, chapter 6 and 7. Go, go read about that. Um, uh, or Judges, chapter 6 and 7. It says, after the Israelites harvested the grain, the Midianites came in and took all their stuff and ate it. Okay? So then you have the queen who wants to believe in Flick, but Flick has all these weird ideas, and he, can he, and he just creates problems for himself all the time and problems for the people, but he really has some great ideas. Then there's the princess who's sort of going to end up being Flick's sweetheart at the end of the movie, who is destined to become queen. And then there's the younger sister whose name is Dot. Oh, but there's great characters. And then you meet all of the guys from the circus because Flick is sent on a mission to go find warrior bugs to help defend them against the grasshoppers. So we're, I'm, I'm going to pick these three clips and then we're going to see what happens. Go ahead and roll clip number six, I think it is, and we'll see what comes of that. Circus performers. Have you seen them? Oh. Well, wait a second. Ain't that Staff Sergeant Slim? No, 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 no. That's I'm not sorry. clip no, six. No, That's no, number no, eight, no, I think. No, Look at no, six, no, if you will. Here, so I need that one to run first, Amanda. Ah, uh, guys, I've been looking all over for you. Flaming death is a huge hit. I'm so Was that six? <laughs> you don't know. I don't know either. Okay, I'm. I'm looking at. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, I've got, then I've got to tell you more stuff, okay, um, about this. Listen, we'll go ahead and play that one and then just play whatever the other two are after that since I created this problem. Um, see, I, I, I got all these clips and outlined them and everybody did their job and then I show up this morning and say, you know what, uh, here's what seized my heart in the last two or three days, so we're not going to do that. Uh, Flick is judged by his own words. They stumble across the first problem that he creates was he accidentally destroys this pile of, of harvest the grasshoppers are coming to get. And so the grasshoppers show up and they're going to beat up all the ants. And so then the, the grasshoppers say, you got to go get all this stuff together again. And so Flick volunteers uh, to leave the island, which everyone knows you can't leave the island, and go to Bug City to find warrior bugs. And so as the princess is presiding over this tribunal, she goes, no, you can't do that because you'll most, you may get killed, and even what, so it'll take you weeks and weeks. And so one of the little court members said, uh, huddle, and said, 
do you hear what you just said? You're a genius. And she says, what? Well, it'll be gone weeks and weeks. He needs to go because every time he stays around here, things cause problems. So here was the point of that, is that Flick's own words became a judgment on himself, unbeknownst to himself. And so they send him away. They send him away to find these warrior bugs. Well, he stumbles into a scene caught off guard, and he sees these bugs, but they're circus bugs. They're not warrior bugs. But he thinks they're circus bugs, because, uh, warrior bugs, because he's watching them go through some routine that he is unaware is, a whole, is an act. They're, they're, it's, just a, it's just an act they're doing at this little bug restaurant. And so he buys into the fact and only discovers later that they're not really warrior bugs at all. They're circus bugs. But you need to watch the movie. Now, go ahead and roll that again, because here's where the truth comes out. Um, to everybody after they've done all the preparation. Have you seen them? P.T. Flea, P.T. Barnum shows up looking for his circus bug. No, 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 I'm sorry, no, but uh, I've seen anyone generally like that. No one has ever seen anyone like that around here, so you'll probably, you'll probably want to get going. I guess you've got a lot of other anthills to check into, so bye. Guys, I've been looking all over for you. Flaming death is a huge hit. I'm serious. Word of mouth got around. The next day, there was a line of flies outside the tent. Went on forever. It must have been a foot long. Shh, no. I figured it out. You guys burn me twice a night. I take a day off to heal, and then we do it all over again. We'll be the top circus act in the business. You mean you're not warriors? Turn it up a little louder, Chris. These guys are the lousiest circus bugs you've ever seen. And they're going to make me rich. <laughs> you mean to tell me that our entire defensive strategy was concocted by clowns? Hey, 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 hey. We really thought Flick's idea was going to work. Oh. Oops. Here's where the truth comes Tommy, out. Tommy, this isn't true. No, you, you don't. You this don't, couldn't I, have happened at a more inopportune time. The last leaf is about to fall. We haven't collected any food for the grasshoppers. If Hopper finds out what we almost did. Hopper is not going to find out. We're going to hide all this and pretend it never happened. Now listen New for bugs were never deception, here. fear, so and hiding. It's in bird, every movie the, that you want to watch. Those three I words from Genesis. I never thought I'd see the day when an ant would put himself before the rest of his colony. What? The point is, Flick, you lied to us. No, no, no. I, I just... You lied, Flick. You lied to her. You lied to the colony. You lied to me. And like an idiot, I believed you. But I, I was just afraid that if you knew I'd gotten circus bugs, I just wanted to make a difference. I want you to leave, Flick. And this time, don't come back. Now listen to the voices he's listening to and the opinions he's listening to. Tough crap. Yeah! Go ahead, right to the next one, Amanda. I'm never gonna make a difference. Me neither. I'm a royal ant and I can't even fly yet. I'm too little. Oh, being little's not such a bad thing. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's that's too earlier too in the movie. Too. It's not. It's not. It's not. And that's Dot. And he's trying to convince her how wonderful she is, even though she's little. Oh. Uh, here, here. Pretend, pretend that that's a seed. It's a rock. Oh, I know it's a rock. I know, but let's just pretend for a minute that it's a seed, all right? We'll just use our imaginations. Now, now, do you see our tree? 
Everything that made that giant tree is already contained inside this tiny little seed. All it needs is some time, a little bit of sunshine and rain, and voila! This rock will be a tree. Seed to tree. You've got to work with me here, all right? Okay. Now, you might not feel like you can do much now, but that's just because, well, you're not a tree yet. You just have to give yourself some time. You're still a seed. But it's a rock. I know it's a rock! Don't you think I know a rock when I see a rock? I've spent a lot of time around rocks! You're weird, but I like you. Now, see, he's, he knows the right voice. That's earlier in the movie. The clip you just saw happens in between. Now play that last one, if you would, please, Amanda. Let's face it, the colony is right. I just make things worse. That bird is a guaranteed failure. Just like me. You listen to me, my boy. I've made a living. You got to go see it. You got to go rent it or whatever. It's cheap. It's been around 20 years. You can find it anywhere and see the sort of happily ever after because it does end in a good place. But here's the thing I want to point out to you if you take your outlines back in hand. And what's burned in my heart for about three weeks ever since I had the occasion to perform a funeral for um, and officiate a funeral for one of my mom's sisters. And while I don't have occasion to go into that, she was just a classic picture of whose opinion was she listening to. And she lived a life pulled between extremes of listening to the voices of one opinion. Here's what happened for me as I was preparing for that. In John chapter 4, it's right here. John chapter 4, Jesus meeting with the woman at the well. John, uh, the, the, God, the, the apostle John, he's, he writes this gospel, Okay. Uh, certainly many years later, but this is the story by his hand. That's important. Um, Jesus is speaking to the woman, and, um, and he has said to her, uh, give me something to drink. And she said, you don't, uh, why should I do that? And he says, if you knew who you were talking to, here we go, verse 10, and who, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, I'm just going rereading scripture right now. My, my mind's going crazy. And just sort of overlaying the text with where's God's opinion. Right here's God's opinion. If only you knew. If only you knew the, who you were talking to, the words and the opinions, you would, you would have reversed this whole scenario and said, give me a drink. Verse 11, she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Then she asked a hypothetical question. You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well? Now, everyone look this way. You've got to know the whole story. But you're, you see mercy at work here. God has met a woman, and he's a, he asks her questions in just a moment following this and said, go get your husband. And he, she goes, I haven't, don't have a husband. He said, you've said, well, you've had five, and the guy you're with now is not. What goes on in this, in this story is a classic pic, picture of God's opinion of mercy towards her. 
She has an opinion about herself that you read all through this story. She has an opinion about herself personally, her own reflection, and socially. She is at the well in the middle of the day when no one's there. The reason this scripture is mentioned by me all the time is it's the only place in the Bible where God in the flesh tells us what worship is, and it happens with this woman whose name we do not know. Jesus is there. And then she says this, are you greater than the, vo the voices, if you will? Are you greater than our Father? Now, we're going to read right below it in just a moment, the second time that John will write a greater than statement. And it caught my attention. It did years ago, but it caught my attention in a new way. And I don't mean to force an interpretation on the text of Scripture, but there's a huge what if here. Because 35 years after the death of Christ and 35 years after the event with this woman at the well, as John reflects and he begins to write, he sees something. Let's look at Scripture. He says, we will know by this that we are of the truth. Powerful word. You need to circle that. The word means unhidden. That we are unhidden people. And will persuade, I love that word assure, means persuade our heart before him. In whatever our heart condemns us, that word condemns means to join in the opinion of myself. It's a neat word. For God is, here it is, greater than our heart and knows all things. Now here's the thing I want to submit to you. What happens, everyone look at me, because here's where we're going to end. What happens when I use the word, by the way, voices of our fathers, I don't mean our father in particular. I mean the voices of our past. The, whatever those voices are. Everybody with me? What happens when those voices of our fathers have been so effective in registering their opinion of me that it begins to influence my opinion of me that as I stand here today, years after the fact, and I look in the mirror of life and whatever reflection of me, I don't even think anymore what they said because the voices of my fathers, if you will, have been so complete, replete, and final in their effective nature that they have now become the voice of my own heart. See the greater than statement? Are you greater than our father? Of course, the answer is, yeah, absolutely I am. I'm greater than any event, any influence, any icon you may have in your past. Yes, God is greater than that because he has an opinion of you bigger than the opinion that shaped you. As a matter of fact, it's the twisting of the law that has been handed down from your fathers that has put you in the place that you are. So yeah, he has a greater opinion and he's trying to clear up the opinion on even his word that has resulted in you being put in the situation you're in. So yeah, it's greater than it's greater than the opinion you formulated by the result of listening to the voices of your father. But further down, God, he says, John writes again, 35 years later, I want to tell you that when the voices of your father become the voices of your own heart condemning you, in other words, when it becomes so complete, you don't need anybody else telling you what's wrong with you. You don't need another opinion. It is so complete, you have that opinion of yourself. You don't have to wait for anybody else to tell you because you know every day as you get up and look in the mirror, your own heart condemns you. But then you run into mercy. Uh, here's where we'll end. My failures had spoken 
judgment complete what I have done is what I would be yesterday's voices saying I am to blame suddenly silenced as mercy calls my name your judgment won't triumph at the sound of his voice he's reversing my own heart's final decree because here mercy speaks when mercy speaks nothing else can when mercy speaks I know Mercy is found, and I will wait right here at your feet for mercy to speak. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, how I need to hear your voice. I'm hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to hear you more and more we're hanging on every word hang on we're worshiping right now but I need all of us who are worshiping with our hands lifted would you just put them down for a second would everyone bow your head I don't suppose this is for a large number of people here today But there are people here in this room that you know Jesus is your Savior. You've accepted God's opinion about Jesus and his power to save you, and you've embraced that. That's not the question I'm asking. There are those of us in this place that fight with voices of the past that have become so firmly entrenched in our own heart that they're the voice of my own heart. You don't have to tell anybody Excuse me, you don't have to have anyone tell you what's wrong with you or why you can't succeed or why you shouldn't be this or why you can't do that because your own heart condemns you. I want to tell you that God has showed up here today by the Spirit of the living God to tell you when the voices have become so complete, they become your own voice that God is greater than the opinion of your heart. 
God is greater than the opinion of your heart that has so long become part of your own life. You haven't even recognized it as an opinion that God doesn't agree with. I ask you, Holy Spirit of God, to do what you do and what we've been studying. To treat our heart like a hard drive and erase that and overwrite that. Your word says you would write it on our heart. Father, as I prayed this week, I believe this morning, I have put the word of God in their hands. But a preacher can't write it on their heart, Lord. Only you can by their invitation. I've put it there, Father. I believe that. And now I ask in the name of the living God, if you're here today, you said, Pastor Tom, when you said that, dude, you are absolutely describing what I wrestle with and what I fight with. I don't need to wait for anybody else. I've got echoes in my own heart that hijacked me. Oh, my goodness. I just want you to lift your hand. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.